Good morning, everyone. It's in it a beautiful day. The snow is great, but it's time for it to go, right? <laughs> okay, today we're going to be in Acts 27. Acts 27. And uh, I know it's a whole lot, but I think we, uh, we need to read that whole chapter. So here we go. When it was decided that we were to sail to Italy, they handed over Paul and some other prisoners to a centurion named Julius the Imperial of the Imperial Regiment. When we had boarded a ship at Adramatidum, we put to sea, intending to sail to ports along the coast of the province of Asia. Aristarchus, a Macedonian of Thessalonica, was with us. The next day we put out at Sidon, and Julius treated Paul kindly and allowed him to go to his friends and to receive their care. When we'd put out to sea from there, we sailed along the northern coast of Cyprus because the winds were against us. After sailing through the open sea at Cilicia and Pamphylia, we reached Myra and Lycia. There the centurion found an Alexandrian ship sailing for Italy and put us on board. Sailing slowly for many days, we came with difficulty as far as Sinaitis, but since the wind did not allow us to approach it, we sailed along the south side of Crete off Salmon. With yet more difficulty, we sailed along the coast and came to a place called Fair Havens near the city of Lycia. By now, much time had passed, and the voyage was already dangerous. Since the fast was already over, Paul gave his advice and told them, Men, I can see this voyage is headed towards damage and heavy loss, not only of the cargo and the ship, but also of our lives. But the centurion paid attention to the captain and the owner of the ship rather than what Paul said. Since the harbor was unsuitable to winter in, the majority decided to set sail from there, hoping somehow to reach Phoenix, a harbor on Crete open to the southwest and northwest, and to winter there. When a gentle south wind sprang up, they thought they had achieved their purpose. They weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. But not long afterwards, a fierce wind called the Northeaster rushed down from the island. Since the ship was caught and was unable to head into the wind, we gave way to it and were driven along. After running in the shelter of a little island called Cauda, we were barely able to get control of the skiff. After hoisting up, they used ropes and tackle and girded the ship. Then, fearing they would run aground on Sirtis, they lowered the drift anchor and in this way were driven along because we were being severely battered by the storm. They began to jettison the cargo the next day. On the third day, they threw the ship's gear overboard with their own hands. For many days, neither sun nor stars appeared, and the severe storm kept raging. Finally, all hope that we would be saved was disappearing. Since many were going without food, Paul stood up among them and said, You men should have followed my advice not to sail from Crete and sustain this damage and loss. Now I urge you to take courage because there will be no loss of any of your lives, but only of the ship. For this night an angel of the Lord I belong to. And serve stood by me, saying, Don't be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar. And look, 
God has graciously given you all who are sailing with you. Finally, take courage, men, because I believe God that it will be just the way it was told to me. However, we have run aground. However, we must run aground on a certain island. When the fourteenth night came, we were drifting in the Adriatic Sea, and in the middle of the night, the sailors thought they were approaching land. They took a sounding and found it to be 120 feet deep. Then when they'd sailed a little farther, they sounded again. They found it to be 90 feet deep. Then fearing we might run aground in some rocky place, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for daylight to come. Some sailors tried to escape the ship. They had let down the skiff into the sea, pretending they were going to put out anchors from the bow. Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men stay on the ship, you cannot be saved. Then the soldiers cut the ropes, holding the skiff, and let it drop away. When it was just about daylight, Paul urged them all to take food, saying, Today is the fourteenth day that you've been waiting and going without food, having eaten nothing. Therefore I urge you to take some of this food, for this has to do with your survival, since not a hair will be lost from the head of any of you. After he said these things and had taken some bread, he gave thanks to God in the presence of them all, and when they had broken it, he began to eat. They all became encouraged and took food themselves. In all, there were 276 of us on board, and having eaten enough food, they began to lighten the ship by throwing the grain overboard into the sea. When daylight came, they did not recognize the land, but sighted a bay with a beach. They planned to run the ship ashore if they could. After casting off the anchors, they left them in the sea at the same time, loosening the ropes that held the rudders. Then they hoisted the foresail to the wind and headed for the beach. But they struck a sandbar and ran the ship aground. The bow jammed fast and remained immovable, but the stern began to break up with the pounding of the waves. The soldiers' plan was to kill the prisoners so that no one could swim off and escape. But the centurion kept them from carrying out their plan because he wanted to save Paul. So he ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and get to land. The rest were to follow on some planks and some depths from the ship. And this way, all got to the safety of land. Have many of you ever been on the ocean when there was a storm? I will tell uh, a brief story about being offshore when we took a storm. We were on a plat. I was on a platform that was about 100 miles offshore. Uh, the water depth was about 300 feet, and uh, uh, the platform that we we're on, you know, of course, was on the bottom with the, the girders coming up. But the deck where we were at, where we were about 60 feet above the water. And we got a call that told us that bad weather was coming and they were not going to be able to get a helicopter out to take us in, uh, the helicopters out to take us in. Once the uh, airspeed of the wind is above about 80 miles an hour or so, it's really not safe to fly the helicopters because you can't shut the rudder down with the wind blowing that severe. So we were taking about 35-foot waves and we sustained winds of about 120 or 125 miles an hour. I don't know how that compares to what Paul and them was facing, but I'm sure it's probably pretty close. 
the waves were running about 35 feet. And uh, the platform that we were on, uh, you design platforms so that they will withstand the forces of nature, but that doesn't mean they're not immovable. So our platform was kind of doing this. <laughs> and, it, you know, it was pretty exciting. Some people uh, were uh, pretty afraid and everything. And the design factors that we make for putting platforms up have all this worked into them. So our platform obviously did not go down. But for a long period of time, we were bouncing back and forth. But, I mean, we were on a safe building about 60 feet off the water on a huge deck. But I know from the movement that I experienced there and what was going on that uh, it was pretty exciting even for that. And I can't imagine when you're in a small boat, maybe 50, 60 feet long, that Paul was on like that and the waves are up and down like that? Can you imagine how fearful they were? What that kind of fear struck in their hearts? Uh, I can give you a little idea. My, another engineer was on another platform and they did get down to their emergency boat. So they were actually going in to land on South Louisiana while this hurricane was going on. And uh, Bill described it this way, because there were about 30-foot waves. He said, we would be up at the top of the wave, and the boat would slowly slide down the wave like this and then start up the other next one. And that just happened over and over and over for the whole time until they got to the shore. Uh, so I don't know if that helps paint a little picture in your mind of what was going on at this time. Now, what did we see from Paul when all this is going on? Was he scared? Was he afraid? Or did he offer help and assistance to the others? As Christians, we're going to go through storms of life. They might not be physical storms like this, but we're going to have bad news come or there's going to be uh, an illness, or there's going to be an unexpected death. And we all face different storms in life. The other thing that we have to know is when we're a believer, other people are going to be watching us. And when people are watching us, they're looking how we handle or we experience these, uh, these things that happen to us in our life. So the question that we have to deal with is when you do face a storm in life, what do we do? How do we face that storm? How do we get through that storm? Now, we see here that Paul was encouraging. He was out telling others what to do. He was giving them the fact that he was praying to God and God had delivered him a message that they were going to make it through this. But if you've ever been really scared before, even since somebody's giving you encouraging words, does that always help? Or do you think, oh my, what's going to happen next? How am I going to get through this? So let me ask some questions for us. What do you do when you're in a dangerous or uncomfortable situation? 
Just think through that for a minute. And when you're in an uncomfortable situation or you think it's a really uh, dangerous situation, whether it's physically, emotionally, or whatever, how do you act? And then the question that we need to ask ourselves beyond that, would other people see our faith in Christ? Are we determined in our heart that no matter what we face, I'm going to cling on to Jesus Christ and know because I belong to him, he will see me through the situation. Now, that doesn't mean sometimes that in that situation we might die, but as those who believe in Jesus Christ, we have a faith and we know that if we do die, we go to be with him. And how we act and how we react all other people are always looking at us, seeing what's going on. So then the next question that we come from from that is, would other people see our faith in Christ when we're in the middle of a crisis? How do we tell people when we get the opportunity to tell them that even though things look bad, we're not afraid because we belong to Jesus and whether we're here on earth or whether we go to be with him, he is our strength and our shield. We had a very severe storm come through uh, Dallas when I was working as an engineer there. And we were up on about the 60th floor of a building, a skyscraper downtown. The winds were enough that the building itself was actually moving. Now you can't perceive that, but the building was probably moving 15 or 20 feet in the wind. But one of the secretaries had gone to the bathroom and she came back and she told us that the water in the toilet was sloshing. And then I explained to her the water in the toilet wasn't really sloshing, it was the fact that the building was moving and the toilet was moving that made the water go like that. Now that didn't really assure her as much as I thought it, <laughs> I thought I had hoped it would, but I was trying to tell her, you know, as engineers, we know that when we build a building, we put in safety factors that are supposed to take account for that. That doesn't mean that sometimes safety factors get exceeded and things because we know that bad things do happen. But by and large, most cases like that, the safety factors that we build in are going to take care. And like I say, our building was doing this. And it's hard for people to believe that a 70-something story building, we were on about the 60th floor, would move that much. But we also know, just like the platforms I was talking about, talking about and these buildings, if you make something entirely rigid, it will come down. So things are made so they move and flex. Isn't in some ways the same way in our life that we have to be flexible when we face dangers because the Lord has promised us he's going to be with us always. But in Paul's case, he chose not to take Paul out of the danger. And Paul was a great witness to all those that were with him on the boat. Sometimes in our life when we're in a situation where it seems like it's untenable and we don't know what to do, people are always watching us. And the question that I have for myself and for you, because we have faith in Jesus Christ, do the fact that we're in a storm, do people see us showing that faith in the Lord? 
that we represent him by how we act. And we know that in every situation, sometimes people don't get to escape that situation. But the fact is that we know Jesus Christ, we are with him, and if we should perish in the storm, we go to be with him. And because of that, we have plenty of opportunities when there are storms in our life, problems in our life, great difficulties, a big problem at work, a situation with our family that we can hold on to that faith in Jesus and allow him to work through us. Are you certain that your relationship to the Lord in that no matter what happens to us, he has told us that he would always be with us. And sometimes we're at a point where we're scared or things are happening around us and all we can do is cling to that faith and cling to him. I won't ask for people to raise their hands, but I'm sure there are different times in your life where things have happened that you really didn't understand why they were happening to you. And then there were times that whether maybe it wasn't physical danger, but there was danger in the fact of a relationship or there were some things going on that weren't right and you knew you had to take a stand. And many times at work, we do have those ethical issues that come up. And as believers, we are a witness for the Lord when we take a stand against something that we know that's not right. That can be very terrifying too. And that's a different type of storm that we face in our lives when we have to stand up for what we believe and sometimes be the one to say, no, this is not the right thing to do. Our greatest witness is not what we say, but how we act or how we react to what's going on around us. Think back in your life about different times when you've had to take a stand were there times that you felt uncomfortable, but you knew what was right, and you had to say, this is what we need to do? So these situations arise for us at all times. We see here Paul, even though Paul was not the man in charge, we can read and see in this passage that because of his peace and the calm that he had in Jesus Christ, he was able to bring comfort to the people. He was able to give them advice. He even told them, uh, we haven't eaten for a long time. We need to eat some food. And we have to be ready for when the storm ends and how we're going to take, take steps along the way. We have to nourish ourselves. We have to stay in his word. And the amazing thing in this, the angel of the Lord revealed to Paul that the ship was not going to make it. Yet he was able to create a sense of peace among the people by telling them that the Lord had told him that he would deliver everybody. And as crazy as it was, when the ship went down, they all managed to make it to shore. Can you imagine what testimony that was to those people when what Paul told them the Lord had told him happened, actually. And we have those situations where we can stand by people in their life. And 
we can't always tell them that nobody is ever going to be harmed, but we can be there to offer them support as they're going through a struggle in their life. Uh, we are to be people that are looking for people in a storm to go out and give them our help, which really means we're giving them the Lord's help. Sometimes it means just standing by with somebody and giving a comforting word. Sometimes it's just standing there and holding their hand or putting an arm around their shoulder as they deal with what they're going through and they know that somebody cares. And we are showing the Lord's care for people when we can reach out and touch different people that are in different storms in their life. I'm sure all of you have had different opportunities to provide support to people. And it's amazing how sometimes just simple words of caring can make a, such a difference. When we do get the opportunity and, and, and it's allowed, we can pray for those people and try to have an effect in their life that way. What we need to remember the most of all is that other people are always looking at us. And do we present the Lord to others by the way we conduct ourselves when we're under pressure or they're under pressure? People will see that and they will remember it. Our greatest witness is not always what we say, but how we act or react to what is going on around us. We also, going back to the text here, we see that the soldiers' plan was to kill the prisoners so that none of them could escape. But the centurion, because he wanted to save Paul, and he had seemed to build a respect for Paul, ordered them that um, to keep them from carrying out their plan. He ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and get to land. The rest were to follow with some planks and some debris from the ship. But the amazing thing through all this is after Paul had told them that they were going to survive the storm, even though the ship was totally destroyed, each and every one of those people made it to safety. Safely ashore, we then learned that the island was called Malta. The local people showed us extraordinary kindness for they lit a fire for all of us since rain was falling and it was cold. And as Paul gathered a bundle of brushwood and put it to a fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened itself to his hand. When the local people saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, this man is probably a murderer and though he has escaped the sea, justice does not allow him to live. However, he shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. They expected that he would swell up or suddenly drop dead. But after they waited a long time and saw nothing unusual happen to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a god. When we're believers, there are times that things happen. And when we get through those things, people are always amazed and they're going to ask, how did you get through that? How was it that you were able to handle all those circumstances, whether they were physical or mental or emotional? And as believers, we need to be able to give them a testimony of how we get through those things. 
And that's always our great opportunity to tell them it's because Jesus Christ is in my life. And we can tell them that Jesus is our support. He is the one that sustains us through all these trials. He is the one that keeps us able to go forward. He is the one that gives us hope that no matter what happens to us, he can work in our lives to bring about his will and that we can have a testimony to tell others about what he's done. Does anybody here ever been through anything like that? Anytime been through a trial that uh, you didn't think you could make it and yet the Lord was there to sustain you? Just raise your hands if you've been through trials like that. I'd see about half the people here raise their hands. Have you been able to use that testimony of how the Lord got you through that time to tell others, to assure others? I'm sure people ask, well, how did you get through that? How could you stand that pain? How could you stand that loss? How could you stand the feelings that uh, going through that tough situation made you feel? And hopefully, from that testimony, you've been able to give people a word of encouragement and you're able to talk about your faith in Jesus Christ and how he is our sustenance, how he sees us through. Now, we know, though, that having faith in Jesus Christ is not like having a genie in the bottle and every time we get in trouble, we rub it and then we come out and we're saved. Sometimes we have to go through the bad. And when we go through the bad, the one thing that we have as believers is the fact that Jesus Christ has told us that he'll never leave us, he'll never forsake us, and that he will be with us all the way through what we face. And that is such a reassurance. Uh, there are times loss of family members, uh, a business setback, uh, other things that happen in life unexpected. And our true testimony to other people around us is when those bad things happen, and they will from time to time, is how we show our faith in the Lord as we go through those trials and tribulations. And we don't always know who's looking. We don't always know who is most affected by when they see us. There are people at work that we might not even talk to or know but when they know that something's happening to us and they see that because we have faith in Christ, we face that trial, we face that setback, we face that difficulty, we are a witness that we don't even know. We, don't, we never know all the people who are looking at us and all the people that will see how we handle circumstances in our lives. And that's our greatest testimony sometimes as a believer it's not the ones that we get to give our testimony in words, but it's when we need, we're able to give our testimony by how we face trials, how we face setbacks, how we face difficulties, how we face things that would scare us. And that doesn't mean that we might not look scared or looked afraid, but when we have that peace that comes from Jesus Christ, Scripture tells us that that is the peace that passeth all understanding. And because that peace is in our lives, 
we are able to be a witness to him day in and day out. And people are always looking at us just like we're looking at other people. And we need to remember that. We also need to remember that when we go through a trial, that when we get the opportunity, we need to give the praise to Jesus for helping us to make it through. And many times we're not going to go through that trial exactly the way we expected it to. How many people can say, I've faced bad situations and every step that I planned out happened just exactly like I thought it would. But God works in unusual ways to sustain us and to make us a testimony for him when we have situations such as this. It's at moments like these that our strength of our faith in the Lord is shown. And the fact that we can feel his presence within us and that we know we belong to him. And that's the things that we need to share with other people and be able to talk about and present ourselves to him. I know this is a short and to the point sermon today, but I hope this is something that we will all take home to think about how people watch us, about how people see us, and that our belief in God should not be something that's just inside us. It should be part of the everyday fabric of our lives so that people can see that we don't have to necessarily always speak words to tell them that we belong to Jesus. They should see something different in us because Jesus is in our life. And we have opportunities to verbally share about Christ, yes. But the most important witness I think that we ever have is that witness about how we conduct ourselves. That might mean that we don't participate in all the gossip that goes on. That might mean that we don't go and tell stories that are not flattering about other people. It might mean that when uh, disagreements come up at work, that we're not combative, that we try to be peacemakers. There are all different ways that we show and reflect in our daily lives who we belong to. And my urge to all of us is that we would always strive to reflect Jesus Christ in the way that we deal with other people, the way we deal with difficulties, the day that we the way that we try to be the voice of reason in arguments, and that we would make our impact for Christ that way. We need to remember that when we people know that we're believers, people are always looking at us. And do we reflect Jesus Christ by the way that we act? by the way that we do. Dear Lord, I thank you for each and every person who is here today. And I thank you for the fact that you are a part of our lives. I pray, Lord, that we would seek you in everything that happens in our daily lives. And we would look for opportunities at work and with our families. And just when we're out, in the public, that we would reflect your love through the actions that we do. 
that we would be seen as kind people, that we would be seen as caring people, and we would be seen as people that want to make a difference in other people's lives. We praise you. We ask you all these things in thy name. Amen.